It's all a bit chaotic, isn't it? Frustratingly so, wonderfully so. This living in a time of transition, when the character, the, the personality of our country is changing, morphing. Welcome to the introductory session, the, the pilot episode of Open Out, a podcast series to help with living courageously, even joyfully, in this reconfiguration. Canada has changed, is changing. It is a country today in which the people themselves are as diverse as the land itself. In the biblical book of Hebrews, there's a mysterious and poetic line that says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. In the original Greek, that phrase, show hospitality to strangers, is a, a single word, philoxenias. That word, in turn, is a compound of two other Greek words, xenos, which means stranger, and philia, which means love, affection. Xenophilia. So it's the literal opposite of xenophobia, the toxic and often paralyzing phobia or fear of the stranger, the xenos. How do we move from xenophobia to xenophilia? from fear to love, appreciation, engagement. This series has been created to help you, help all of us make that transition. Fear of the stranger is, of course, our human default. Our minds are wired that way, to protect us. There's a wee part of our brain called the amygdala, and its job is to take what the eye see and interpret its potential danger, figure out if it's a predator, and since anything strange, unknown, could be, it reacts. It instinctively releases a bunch of stress hormones, and the flight or fight reaction sets in. This was helpful to our survival, but what once helped us avoid mistaking a saber-toothed tiger for a cute little kitty may not be so helpful now. So in this new cultural landscape, where so many folk are different, strangers, we need to help our little amygdala out. We need to help our brains interpret the sight of the stranger differently. And that's a part of the mandate of this series. Open Out is a podcast series and an interactive online presence about the nitty-gritty of creating and living in intercultural communities. The practical side of welcoming folk from different cultures into our lives. It's a safe space for compassionate curiosity an environment where all of us, no matter what our cultural background is, can gently open our hearts and heads to diversity, create space in our personal lives and communities for those who not only look and sound different, but also think and act in ways we might not expect. My name is Bill Miller, and 
Prior to creating this series, I was pastor of Knox United in Winnipeg for 14 years, one of the most culturally diverse faith communities in Canada. It didn't start out that way, however. Its journey, its transition, provided the base for much of the research. At our website, openout.ca, you can download material and link to the entire podcast series. In addition to the main podcast, there are supplemental ones called The Open Out Extra. These rough edits provide tips and resources for leaders wishing to use this material in group context, but also they're there for anyone who might wish to explore a theme a bit more deeply. Also, there's an Open Out Facebook page where we can interact directly. You're at the supermarket, in line to pay for your groceries, when you notice the family ahead of you are all speaking a language you don't understand. In fact, you don't even know what the language is. Behind you, a mom is talking to her son in another language. As you look around, most of the people don't look like you. How do you feel? At a social gathering, you're introduced to a family who have come here from Eritrea, have a nice conversation, though the parents have limited English. After they leave, you realize you can't remember even one of their names. What's going on? Or you're a man meeting a Muslim woman for the first time. You say hi and smile and you stick out your hand to shake hers. And she doesn't take it. Did you do something wrong? Our country is changing dramatically. At one time, churches like the United Church were filled each Sunday. Now the mostly older white folks see their congregations dwindling and find themselves wondering about the future. In many urban centers, within a few years, the number of immigrants and their children will outnumber the Canadian-born. The visible minority will soon no longer be a minority. These changes have come rapidly, it seems. It can be confusing, even distressing to our minds when things are no longer the same as they were. What do we do? We can respond with fear, clutching on as long as possible, clutching on to the way things once were. Or we can engage in this new reality with clarity and compassion and even joy. This series seeks to empower you, whatever your context, to engage across cultures with confidence and clarity emotionally, cognitively, spiritually. And so we've designed a podcast pattern that can work on different levels. You might be listening on the subway or riding the bus or running the treadmill, wherever. Somehow diversity has touched you. Someone from a different culture has entered one of the circles you inhabit, family, friends, church. And you're interested in being as open as you can to them. By checking the podcast titles and we write-ups at openout.ca, You'll be able to find past episodes and subscribe to future ones that interest you. If you are a newcomer, someone come from away, as they say in Newfoundland, you might find yourself trying to figure out why Canadians do the kind of things Canadians seem to do. You might find it more than a little bewildering trying to connect, for example, with a faith community here. There's material in these sessions that can help you. 
If you're a faith leader, you may have heard national church leaders or others talking about intercultural ministry and have become curious. Is this just the next fad or is there something more substantial here? You could be facing declining church attendance and wondering if being open to a larger community might help. There's resources for you here. If you are currently part of a study group exploring ways your faith community can become more welcoming, the material can be adapted to form a curriculum. In addition to the extra podcasts and the downloadable resources on the website, I can be available to help you tailor a program to meet your specific needs. Culture can mean different things. Biologists grow things in it. Some yogurts have it. Opera fans say they like culture. We'll use the word the way sociologists use it, but that's still a bit hard to define. It includes things like the language you speak, the the food you eat, the clothes you wear, but also much more. How early or late should you show up for a dinner party? Should you take off your shoes when you enter someone's home? Should children look down when speaking with someone in authority or look them straight in the eye? How often should you offer to pay the tab at a restaurant when you're having lunch with a colleague? All of this, and much more, is what culture tells you. It's about communication, expectation. When you greet, do you you shake hands, bow, kiss, one cheek or two, hug, how close? All these unwritten rules or agreements help shape human relationships. And that's culture. One of the core differences between cultures is how people think of themselves. As an individual first or as a group member first. North Americans and Western Europeans are generally individualists. They think of themselves first and foremost as individuals and believe their individual wishes and dreams and thoughts are primary. Most of the rest of the world, though, are collectivists. For them, the primary unit is a group. It might be family or clan or a tribe. And what the group wants is more important than what the individual wants. A quick example. At Knox, we often had new people dropping in, and we wrestled with how to best connect with them. My colleague, Damber, from Nepal, once suggested... Uh, I said that I have an idea how about people to come to the front and introduce themselves with their name and where they come from, where are they there, and this would uh, allow other people to know them as well. So that's why I came with that idea. I, I said, oh, Damber, that, that's a bad idea. People might be shy or they might be hurting. They could feel very uncomfortable. Damber looked at me and just shook his head and said, Oh, you individualists, why would they think it's about them? I'd never thought of the experience of coming to church any other way. Just how would I feel as an individual? This key difference in how we understand ourselves will be explored more fully in Episode 10, the first half of a two-part session on how differences affect us. This is but one of the differences in how we think and relate. Time is another Westerners are oriented toward clock time. 
We think of time as a kind of commodity that can be used or wasted or saved. Others find that idea a little strange. They may think of time in a more circular way or something more like event time. Communication is key to all relationships. If you meet folk whose cultural background favored indirect communication and you are a direct communicator, well, they may find you rude and inconsiderate. And you might have great difficulty deciphering what they're trying to say. Recognizing how we communicate can be as important as learning the language itself. These and other differences will be explored further in Episode 11, the second part of How Differences Affect Us. These sessions are designed to help you help your brain adjust to new situations, adapt so that you can experience something unexpected without your brain sending out a panic signal, the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. The content is organized like a hike, a trail with distinct sections. We're not all in the same place on this stuff. Some of us are in urban centers where walking two blocks is a global experience. Others are from places that are much more homogenous. Some are parts of faith communities already very diverse and are trying to manage. Some are raring to go. Others haven't really thought much about diversity. And so we'll borrow a pattern used in the addiction field around personal change, where we move from pre-contemplation, time when we're not even really thinking of changing, to contemplation, when we start thinking of, well, maybe we should change, maybe, on to actively preparing once we decide that we really do need to change and then to managing the change itself and on to maintaining ourselves in this new way of living. And so for us, we'll begin simply by being curious. Curious about changes in your neighborhood, your country, changes in church attendance, energy, and finances. And we might begin wondering what could happen if we were to intentionally open ourselves to diversity. Considering is the contemplation stage. When you start thinking, hey, what might it look like if we opened out a bit more, welcomed folk who were somehow different than us? Committed follows a decision to go for it. A time of actually preparing for change. Commencing is the action stage. Now, that can be exciting, thrilling even, but it can also be tense. There's never any guarantees, you see. At some point, all of this leads to continuing. You've come through the change period into a new stability, or at least enough calm to feel like this is a good place to camp for a while. The context for the Open Out series is faith-based, but much of the information here is as applicable to nonprofits, businesses, education systems, anywhere that humans interact, really. I hope it helps faith communities and others, folk who want to open themselves to a broader population. I hope it helps them have tools to do that without falling on their faces as often as many of us did trying to learn. For these churches, growth is possible, but it's not likely to be growth with people who are just like us. And that fact alone can make us feel a tad anxious. Good news is that bit of anxiety, it's normal, healthy even. We all feel it in unfamiliar contexts. This podcast series website and the interactive social media 
will create a safe place for you to explore, to learn, to try, even to stumble. No guilting, no shaming. All well and good, you might think, but who the heck are you, Bill Miller, and and who made you an authority on this stuff? Over the years I was at Knox, this grand cathedral in the Central Park neighborhood of Winnipeg. The congregation reinvented itself as a global community, a truly intercultural church. I feel a bit awkward here, sort of like I'm doing a, like an audio selfie. I was part of a generation that was taught not to talk too much about yourself. But I've worked among folk with a more collectivist background, and so I have come to know how important personal story, experience, and relationships are in building connection. So, I was born and raised on Treaty 1 land. But of course, we did not know it at that time. I grew up not far from Nistawayak, the junction of the Red and Assiniboine Rivers. For over seven centuries, nations have gathered at this sacred place for trade and treaties. In fact, in the 13th century, long before Chaucer started writing the Canterbury Tales, the Cree and Lakota, themselves both culturally diverse communities, gathered the nine nations of the regions to covenant for peace, trade, and sharing. Later, the Anishinaabe nation migrating west was welcomed and invited to eat out of the same dish, warm themselves at the same fire, and make common cause. Later still, they would welcome the French and together form a new nation, the Métis. So I was born and raised in a place where not only rivers but nations meet, connect, where new nations were formed and differing peoples found common ground, sacred land indeed. I hope this series can honor the vision of our ancestors, those who created a place for us. I grew up in a working-class neighborhood, an Irish family in a sea of Poles and Ukrainians. I suffered terribly from Slavic envy. Their homes always smelled of garlic. They got to eat exotic food like pierogies. I love the old babas wearing babushkas and the men, laborers mostly, with big hands and bald heads. After ordination, I served 12 years as pastor of a deaf church at the height of deaf cultural activism. Years of tears and pain and discovery. I was such a slow learner of the language and culture. They taught me much. Then for 11 years, I worked for the regional body, helping churches in transition, helping them discover new vision or calling, resolve painful conflict, find new ways to communicate. In 2004, I accepted a call to Knox a downtown church that had been, for many decades, the embodiment of the cathedral or colonial church. Over the next 14 years, it emerged as the most intercultural church in Canada, going from about 80% white European dominant culture to about 20%. About 75% today are newcomer, both refugee and immigrant. They encompass over 25 countries of birth. The age pattern also reversed. So did the percentage of people with United Church roots, going from over 90% to less than 15%. They were creating a new format, 
a new expression of the United Church with different cultural bases. And they were doing this without even realizing that's what they were doing. With no instruction manual, not even rough guidelines. How did they do this? What created commonality? How did they reshape worship, plan, make decisions together? Discovering this was core to the research and to this series. I accompanied them as their generally rather bewildered pastor. My earlier experience in cross-cultural ministry and facilitating congregational development helped some, but mostly I and they learned by trial and error. I came to realize that the best thing I could offer was my clumsiness. I knew how to fall real good. Experience and skills were not anywhere near as important as chronic clumsiness, which, if it doesn't destroy you, has the advantage of teaching you how to fall gracefully. In the words of the German poet Rilke, this is what the things can teach us, to fall, patiently to trust our own heaviness. Even a bird has to do that before she can fly. In 2018, with the McGeechee Scholarship, I was given, aloud, the challenge of producing useful resources for churches and individuals who were interested in exploring a similar path, that of intentionally opening themselves outward to this new Canada. I set out to engage the research, trying to understand why it worked at Knox and how it might work elsewhere. It's the practical stuff, the day-to-day stuff that interests me. Once, when we were just beginning our exploration, a young West African woman was doing some work for us. An older congregation member, sweet, kind as can be, bluish, white hair, took me aside and said, Reverend, you're going to have to speak to, well, let's call her Julie. You're going to have to speak to Julie about wearing deodorant in this country. I looked at her and said, Ah, what you're smelling is not body odor. It's the sweet smell of sweat. And in many places in the world, that's not offensive. It's at that level that this intercultural stuff either works or doesn't. And so the research, this podcast series, wants to be at that level. Smell, touch, all the everyday practical stuff. I'll leave it for others to explore the higher, more conceptual stuff. Though the focus here is on cultural diversity, diversity is, of course, diverse. There are so many new communities that we can open our hearts and communities to welcome. Those labeled cognitively impaired or with mental illness, different social classes, even small cohorts like, I don't know, skateboarders. The skills learned here can help no matter what the difference is. It's part of the reason why even after all these years of practicing it, advocating for it, and Being remarkably blessed by it, I am still kind of uncomfortable with the term intercultural. It's not that the term is inaccurate. It is accurate. It's just that it's a bit limiting. So, Bill, then why don't you come up with a new name for this impulse, this mission, is something that nobody has ever said to me, ever. But if it were up to me, I would use the term intentionally open communities of faith. It's a bit broader image, open to folk of different classes, including those who struggle most in our economic pyramid scheme. 
and those who, depending on your point of view, either lack or are untainted by verbal sophistication, open to those of differing cognitive capacities, and those who are a bit further along the continuum of mental health than you or I think we are, open to those who do not see themselves fitting into the categories of male or female, the queer, questioning, quirky, open to those whose addictions have such intensity they can no longer successfully hide them the way so many of us still can, open to the living, to the breathing, to the anything. To create intentionally open communities would be, I think, to intentionally and consistently choose to enact Jesus' knack for inclusion. Still, for most of the podcast, in the first year at least, the focus will be on cultural diversity and inclusion. For a new Canada really is opening in front of us, differently hued and accented, wondrously diverse, blessed by unpredictability. And all of us, even the most anxious and resilient to change among us, can learn to open ourselves further and further. Curious about what this might mean for you and your community? Well, it's where we'll begin. In the first series, we look at questions like, what might opening ourselves to greater diversity look like? What is intercultural? Why might we want to open out? In the second episode, we look at the dramatic shifts in the cultural and racial character of Canada. In the third, we'll take the same approach, but look at the church. How has it been changing, or perhaps resisting change? I am grateful to the United Church Foundation, which through its Megichi scholarship funded this research, and to the United Church's Intercultural Ministries and Publishing House for their support. Theme music is by Bruce Harding. Terry McLeod is providing production assistance with technical assistance from Joe Dudich and Joe Prue. Links to each of these can be found at openout.ca. I am also grateful to the good folk at Ralph Connor Memorial in Canmore, Alberta, who are willing to test out this material still very much in its rough form. Their feedback shaped this series, and it was they who came up with the concept and title of Open Out. So, if you're interested... Come along for the ride. We can explore this new landscape together.